Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. You turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Almost done with 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Not going to finish it tonight, though. <laughs> um, tonight, uh, we're going to be looking at Paul telling Timothy some instructions about fighting the good fight of faith. Um, and uh, one thing he's got here is he's got a command to flee from the kind of behaviors he talked about in the text we looked at last week and to uh, pursue righteousness and peace and another list of things. Uh, so that's, that's kind of where we're going tonight. I'm going to go ahead and just jump into the text. Let's read uh, beginning in verse 11 from 1 Timothy chapter 6. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which He will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only Sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to Him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for what it tells us of who You are. We thank You for what it tells us of of who we are. And we thank You that it tells us how we can be and have been reconciled by Your Son. We pray that You would give us eyes to see and ears to hear as we look into Your Word tonight. Give me strength and grace as I preach Your Word tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen. He begins here, But as for you, O man of God, and Paul is directly addressing here Timothy. Timothy is is the uh, uh, main recipient of the letter. Timothy, uh, let's just kind of think back here. Timothy is a pastor who Paul left there in Ephesus to be able to to kind of lead his work there, to set all things uh, in order, which still remained after Paul had planted the church there. And... um, um, Paul here has been giving him instructions, telling them, you know, in, in case I'm not able to come in person, 
He wants Timothy and he wants the church there to know how they're to conduct themselves in the house of God. And here, uh, Paul had been talking about um, um, how all believers should behave. And he singles out Timothy here and he says, but as for you, O man of God, he uses this term, O man of God, that's used nowhere else in the New Testament. It's used of different people in the Old Testament. People like Moses, people like David, people like Elijah and Elisha. But here is the only time we find it in the, in the New Testament. And uh, Paul uses it of Timothy to address him. And he says, as for you, O man, not like that other behavior that we saw in the last chapter. Here, we, we, in the last chapter, we saw... Um, this, the, this uh, craving for uh, controversy that, that uh, was among the false teachers. Um, the, the false teachers says, he's puffed up with conceit, understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, uh, slander, evil suspicions, and conscious constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. That's the false teachers here. And Paul is telling Timothy, you're not going to be that way. You're not going to have a, 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 a craving for controversy and quarrels and, and all of those things that described, were described in the last passage. No, instead, flee these things. Run away from them like you might when I when I see that word flee, I often think of uh, Joseph and Potiphar's wife, right? He uh, uh, Potiphar's wife, uh, Joseph was sitting was serving there in the home of Potiphar as Joseph was a, was sold as a slave down in Egypt, and Potiphar's wife uh, tried to to throw herself at him, and he ran away so quickly that she had a, got a hold of his garment and he ran away naked. Not a good look for him. But, um, flee it. Flee that kind of uh, motivation, that kind of uh, uh, behavior in his ministry. And pursue. So, flee from one thing and pursue something else. He's saying run away from that and run to something else. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, steadfastness, gentleness. Those are the things that Timothy is to pursue. Righteousness is uh, uh, conformity to a moral standard. God's moral standard. His standard that has been set in the Scriptures. And Timothy is to conform his life, to pursue that, to run towards conforming his life to that standard. Godliness. To be someone who is characterized by being like God. Faith. To pursue faith. And how can we pursue faith? But studying the Scriptures. Um, God does a lot of things to grow us in our faith. To, to grow us in our faith and to stretch us. Uh, sometimes He does so by putting us through trials. Um, but I don't think we ever choose the trials, do we? Those happen. They just happen. 
But when we are pursuing faith, we, when we are in the midst of those trials, we look to His Word, we look to His promises, and we say, I'm going to believe what God says and not the circumstances around me. So Paul here says that Timothy is to pursue those things. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love. Love. Jesus said our, uh, that His disciples would be known by their love for one another. That's one of the things that Timothy is to pursue. To love the church that he serves. Uh, that, that believers are to love one another. To show hospitality to one another. To, to uh, have time. You, you know, you know if, you, if you love someone, you want to spend time with them, right? Uh, if you love your wife uh, or your husband, on the other hand, if you love them, you want to spend time with them. Uh, you're not looking for the next opportunity to get away, <laughs> right? But, but no, if you love them, you want to spend time with them. And uh, um, um, as believers, we want to we meet together to see each other's faces, to love one another. Here, uh, then he says, steadfastness, faithfulness. As, uh, it's, it's being secure as a rock, immovable, um, trustworthy, and gentleness. Gentleness. You know, the, the, uh, the um, false teachers that he was talking about in the last passage, they had a craving for controversy and for quarrels. They were just ready for a fight all the time. And here, Paul is telling Timothy he's to have gentleness. Which I think is really interesting because the very next word that Paul says in verse 12 is fight the good fight of faith. Something interesting there, right? Uh, in the last passage, we saw these false teachers, they had a craving for controversy. They, they, they were ready for a fight all the time. They were, they were ready to quarrel about words here is what Paul says. I think, I think what we see there is in the false teachers, they had a craving. They, they just weren't happy unless they had something to fight about. But Paul here is talking about something different for Timothy. He's to fight the good fight of faith. Um, the Christian life is a fight. The enemy is against us. The enemy um, wants to deceive us and he wants to rob us of our joy. He wants to do all of those things. And it is a fight. It is a battle. It is an uphill climb to stay faithful. Paul here tells Timothy to fight the good fight of the faith. I think he's also contending for true doctrine here. Um, the false teachers... They were just, you know, quarreling about all kinds of things that didn't matter. And Timothy, he's charged to fight the good fight of the, the faith. The once for all delivered faith. The, the one that uh, Peter says is, uh, no, Jude says it was once for all delivered to the saints. That's what he is to fight for. Then he says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And, to about, and about which you made the good confession. Um, eternal life is what Jesus promised, isn't it? He promised um, 
Well, we think of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. When we have trusted in Christ, we have become obtainers of eternal life. We may, they may put us in the ground in this life. Our bones may uh, lay in a grave and they may rot away. But one of these days, Jesus is coming back. We're going to raise from the grave and we're going to live in in a new heavens and a new earth with bodies that will no longer have any aches and pains and sickness or any sadness or anything like that. But but, um, here, Paul here is saying, even right now, you don't have to wait for the future when Jesus comes. Take hold of that eternal life. Uh, Take hold of it. in so far as you can, uh, embrace what that means. Uh, I think uh, uh, when we realize that we live eternally, that Jesus has forgiven us, and one of these days, nothing can hurt us. And I think it gives us a courage to stand. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. I think... Those two things go together pretty closely. Um, Timothy was saved not by his own moral strife or effort, but because God had called him to salvation. And, And so Timothy, he's not working and trying to earn this eternal life in order to grab hold of it, but instead... Timothy is grabbing hold of this eternal life that God has already called him into. And in the same way, we, if we are believers, God has already called us to Himself. He's caused us to be born again. We are obtainers of eternal life and we then appropriate what He's already called us to Take hold of the eternal life which I... In the presence of... Oh, wait. In which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. When, when uh, Timothy got saved, he professed his faith before many witnesses. It was, it was a public thing. Uh, he, he, he let everyone know, I'm going to follow Jesus now. And that's what baptism is intended to be. Uh, in baptism is intended to be a public proclamation that, that uh, I'm going to follow Jesus now with my life. It's a public thing. And here, Paul is telling, telling uh, Timothy and reminding him, take hold of that eternal life which God called you to and you've already confessed in the presence of everybody, in the presence of many witnesses. And then Paul compares what Timothy has done with what Jesus did. Um, Verse 13, Paul says, I charge you in the presence of God who lives... I'm sorry. Who gives life to all things and of of Christ Jesus who in His testimony before Pontius Pontius Pilate made the good confession... Paul is saying, Jesus made a good confession. That is, he stood before Pontius Pilate and he told the truth even though he was going to die. 
Right? And Paul here is telling Timothy, Jesus made the good confession. You made a good confession and that ought to motivate him to live it out. Paul here is charging him again. We get a lot of language like that here in the in, in 1 Timothy. Uh, he's, he's commanded. He's charged. He, the urgency is there. I charge you in the presence of God. God is watching him. God is watching him and He knows the truth about Timothy. And He watches each one of us in the presence of God Live out your calling who gives life to all things. Not only is God the living God as opposed to all the other false gods that are out there that can't do anything like Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Elijah and the prophets of Baal where the prophets of Baal just they, they did everything they could to try to get the, 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 the sacrifice to burn. And they cut themselves and they wailed and all of those kinds of things. But their God, Elijah just taunted and said, where's your God? But Yahweh, the true God, the living God, He was able to bring the sacrifice into a flame. Well, here it's very similar. But instead of saying... The living God, he says, who gives life to all things. He is the creator and he is the sustainer of all life. We may fear what human beings can do to us in this life, but we remember God is the one that sustains life. We think of the, our prayer list. I think particularly about Stephanie, who uh, her life was in the balance. She was on a ventilator. We didn't know what was going to happen. And God sustained her life through it all. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in His testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. And this is what Paul is charging Timothy to do. To keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now what does he mean here by keep the commandment? There's a couple of different things that we think of whenever we think of the commandment. Is he talking about the Ten Commandments? Is he talking about just all of the things that God commands? I think what he's talking about here and, and keep the commandment is what God has particularly um, called Timothy to do. He is to be the pastor there in Ephesus and he is to teach and he is to exhort and he is to uh, carry out a faithful ministry there in Ephesus. And, and here Paul is telling Timothy to keep that commandment, that charge that God had given him, to keep that without stain or blemish qualification for a pastor that we see in 1 Timothy 3 is to be blameless. The same word is used here. Timothy is to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't get to retire from this. We don't, we don't get to say, oh, well, I've done enough now. I can just... 
give it easy. No. We keep it going until either Jesus returns and we see Him face to face, or we go into the ground, but we are in the presence of Jesus face to face. Until Jesus makes Himself known. As it talks about the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, the return when He comes again, verse 15, it says, which He will display at the proper time. We're reminded, Jesus even warned us, we're not going to know when it's going to be. He says, nobody knows except for the Father whenever He's going to come again. And here, Paul says to Timothy, He's going to be made known at the proper time when God has planned that it will happen. And Paul then begins to kind of explode into a a praise here at the end of the text. He says, He, oh, which He will display at the proper time, He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to Him be honor and glory and honor and eternal dominion. Amen. He bursts forth into praise. Let's think about what he says about God. The blessed and only sovereign. Blessing, we think means happy, right? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Happy is the man. And here, we don't often think about this, but God is happy. Blessed. How blessed. The blessed and only sovereign. He is all-powerful. He rules over the world as king of his creation. The King of kings and Lord of lords. God is above all kings, above all powers. Who alone has immortality. Each one of us, we're going to die. Posted about this that this week on Facebook. uh, uh, My other job, I just started uh, not long ago, you know, selling uh, insurance. And uh, one thing I have in common between both jobs, in this job, I remind people, one of these days we're going to die. And whenever it comes to life insurance, (laughs) it's a sure bet we're going to die. In the other job, I think, have you done everything you need to to provide for your family? But in this job, are you ready to meet your Maker? Are you ready to stand before Him and one day an account for what you have done. Have you made peace with God through Jesus? Well, here, we all die, but God is the only... who He is alone immortal. By the fact that He is alone immortal, I mean, He existed from all eternity. All of the... Even the angels and all of the angelic beings of, of heaven... They're not immortal because they had a beginning. It's only God who has always existed. 
always existed and always will. Who alone has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light. Whom no one has ever seen or can see. Now, John chapter 1 says something very similar. John chapter 1, I believe it's verse 18. He says, For from him, uh, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. We see the same kind of idea here. No one can see God, but God who was at the Father's side, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus has, in the words of John 1, become flesh. The Word became flesh. He dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Here, it's emphasizing the distance. God the the Father who dwells in unapproachable light, who no one has ever seen, to Him be all Honor and eternal dominion. Amen. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of all honor. And He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Now let's wrap this up. God is so big and so powerful, and so great, and He deserves all glory and all of our worship. And so we tremble before Him. And and we need to recognize we are in His presence. Whether we're here in this room or in another church building, meeting among His people, or whether we are out on a tractor somewhere, He's present with us. So we recognize His presence with us and we flee from the things that uh, God does not want to characterize our lives. And we fight for the good fight of faith. We pursue righteousness, godliness, love, steadfastness in all of our lives. And one more time, I'm going to circle back around to one more thing. Take hold of that eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the great great confession. We don't have the power to do any of that unless He's already called us to Himself. If we've trusted in Christ, then... It's on that basis. The fact that He's already changed us, He's already caused us to be born again, that we can have the strength to fight that good fight. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com 
or you can like us on Facebook.